podcast that introduces you to registered, clinical, and certified aromatherapists around the world. I'm your host, Melissa. I'm a holistic life coach and a registered aromatherapist. Join me every other week as we chat with aromatherapists and hear about their aromatic journeys and how they use essential oils in their lives and in their businesses. Hey guys, today I am chatting with my good friend Lola King of Be Kind Botanicals. She is a provider of artisan essential oils. She works directly with the growers and distillers who create these amazing botanical products. Here we go. Hey, Lola. Hi, how are you? I am doing well. How are you? I'm good. I was worried that I wasn't going to be able to have somewhat of a quiet house because it's crazy here all the time. Right. (laughs) You did good. Well, we'll see. (laughs) If somebody knocks on the door, the dogs are going to go crazy. So that's okay. Life is life and we'll roll with it. Pretty much. That's how it is here anyway. You work from home. So that's, that's to be expected. My, my home warehouse. (laughs) But you recently actually just converted, right? Your garage. Okay. So it was something I wanted to do and had wanted to do for a while. But it was one of those, do I really have the space in the garage? Because we have a, they call it a two-car tandem, which is kind of silly because it doesn't really fit three cars. Right. And so we converted the entire tandem to door house. And I have shelving and refrigeration and I need more shelving. (laughs) There will never be enough shelving. Oh, no. I told my husband, I said, now I need stainless steel tables. And he just kind of looked at me. He's like, in, in all actuality, you really do need stainless steel tables. Yeah. I mean, I, where I pour, I have to pour in the kitchen because I don't have the stainless steel tables to pour on. And right. so I use the, um, I don't even know what that kind of tiling is called. It's, it, the oils aren't going to bother it. And so I pour there. So it's safer. Yeah, no, you really, you really do need those tables because you know, like I have a wooden desk and if I drip on here, it's, it's going to eat right through the varnish. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, all of the, the cabinet or not the cabinetry, but the, the stuff that my husband has built for the business when I was going out and doing events, it's all wooden. Right. And so, you know, one little drop here is like, we don't finish anything. We just stain it or not stain it, but we, we seal it. Mm-hmm. and oil it really good. And that's, that's it. I mean, that's all I can do because if we put a stain on it to color it, it just, Oh, it'll eat right through it. Yeah. <laughs> the essential oils are very, very caustic. People don't realize and, that. You know, and carrier oils eat a mess too. Oh yeah. They make an enormous mess. And, and I love oils, you know, cause you get enough on it and then you can like smooth it over the whole thing. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so excited to be talking with you. Everybody that I've interviewed so far are aromatherapists practicing aromatherapy. So I think it's going to be awesome to have you, the owner of a micro business, to be yes. able to speak about yeah. aromatherapy from your perspective. I'm super excited. And I know when I, when I contacted you, you're like, well, I don't know, because I'm not practicing. I don't know. If, and I'm like, no, yes, it'll be awesome. <laughs> because people don't understand. My, my method of practicing looks so different than so many others. I mean, it's, it's really different. I remember when I first started talking about it, somebody asked me, you know, how often do you use them? I'm like, I don't really need to. Right, you're around it all <laughs> the time. Which is so rare, you know, and even then it's like quick, short doses. It's like it's done. 
I really want to hear the story behind Be Kind Botanicals. How did you decide, first of all, to move into being a provider of essential oils? And then how did you choose your name? So two different topics there. Okay, so this is a really long roundabout story, as most of my life is. <laughs> I, find, I find that most of the aromatherapists I speak with, our lives are very much like that. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. So I had been working, let's see, for about 10 years in orthodontics and was going to have my second child. And once we had her, I got a three-month paid leave, if you will, mm-hmm. so that I could take care of her and get her nurtured enough to start daycare while I was working. Well, the office that I was working at paid really, really well. It was great money. But we were open, I think, three or four days a week, and it was really, really long hours. So with two kids having to be in daycare for a practice that was open like that was really difficult because my son was in kindergarten at the time. And obviously with her being little, it was just, it was a lot. And so the financial burden of it just didn't make sense for me to keep working. When you work in a clinical setting, it's hard to let that go. I mean, and it took me trying to work just half of my normal hours so that the daycare cost wasn't so much. I got to a point where I just felt like it just wasn't working. I wasn't giving my patients the care that I felt like they really needed because my availability was so short. And I had several patients that they didn't like having other techs work on them. They just wanted me. And then the doctor leaned on me a lot, a lot of the different white papers that he wrote. His first um, language was Korean. And so having to write these white papers in English, he would always be like, I need you to look at this. And, you know, and, and I just, I felt like I got to a point where I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And so when she was about six months old, we were sitting in bed and I had been dabbling in essential oils for I don't know how long at that point. And I was making, you know, body scrubs and fun things like that. But it was just for me. I got to a point where I was like, what am I doing? You know, I, I, I cut my hours down to essentially just one day a week. I wasn't seeing the same number of patients. I wasn't helping the doctor that a way that I had wanted to. And I just felt like it wasn't working. And so I told my husband, I said, you know, what if I went into business? You know, that, that crazy thought that we all have, what if I went into business? And he said, well, what would you do? And I said, well, I would make things. <laughs> So of course, he's like, he and I are both very much of the mindset that if you're going to do something, you're not, pardon my language, you're not going to half-ass it. You're right. going to do it do it the right way. And you're going to be passionate about doing it, or it's not going to be worth doing. It's just going to be another one of those jobs. And for that, I could keep doing what I was doing and get right. really well. We realized that you couldn't just make things. Because once you start digging into having to get an EIN, a business license, insurance, you've got to get a trade name, all these things, you then find out, well, you can't just make something and sell it because the FDA doesn't allow that. They want you to actually test products. They want you to have a knowledge base behind those products that you're making so that when you're selling them on market, they don't have to come calling you every five seconds saying, hey, you're an idiot. What are you doing trying to kill these people? So <laughs> that, that led me to saying, okay, well, clearly I don't know enough about essential oils and I don't know enough about making a product to get it ready for market. So maybe I'll go into being an esthetician, even crazier, right? So of course I tried to go down that path. I didn't actually enroll in the school, but I looked into it. Every avenue that I looked at for all the different schools I have, none of them fit our lifestyle because they, they want you to be there at a certain time. And it's, you know, the same schedule for however long, and it's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. 
And I remember, I remember when I was looking at one of the schools, you know, the cheapest school I looked at just for their two-year program was six grand, you know, and this was a very hands-on program. And when I started asking questions about the formulating and things, they were like, well, we teach you how to formulate for what you need, but you can't necessarily market a product from it because you are providing a service, not a product. And that's when I was like, holy moly, this isn't going to work. The school, the school times aren't going to work and they're not going to give me the knowledge I need. So maybe I need to go into a different avenue. So this whole time I'm still studying online, doing the self-study for formulation, which at that time there was no information out there. None, none, none. People were just slapping things in a bottle and a jar and selling it. It was right. scary. Right. I said, well, you know, you've been trying for six weeks to find a program that works. None are working. What if you just started learning about essential oils? So that's the path I went down. And once I started going down that path, I said, okay, we're six months into this. I have a really good understanding of essential oils. Um, and I had pretty much done the coursework, hadn't taken the test or anything. And have learned enough that I was still questioning a lot of things, you know, and I was still making things. <laughs> okay, we're just going to do this. We're going to start the business. I'm going to do what I know is safe to do. And it was anhydrous only and just my blends to start. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy because I was essentially a skincare company that sold anhydrous things only, which was insane. You know, you have your foot scrubs, your body scrubs, and body butters. That was it. That was really the gist of what I was doing, the more and more I did it, the more and more people were like, we just want your blends. That's, they just wanted my blends. And by the time I had been in business for about six months, the first business name I had, this is going to crack you up, was Spa Essentials by Lola. You know, because when- That would definitely reach a specific group of people. Yes. yes. And here's the thing, you know, when you're going through school, it was, you can't sell therapeutics. You can only sell that feeling that emotion, you know? And so I had to pick a business name that I felt like would kind of resonate with that. Oh my gosh, two to three years into having that business name. And I realized this wasn't working and people didn't care about the skincare. They wanted the essential oil. I had only met a handful of distillers at that point from going to conferences and things. And so I told my husband, I said, I think once we hit five years, I'm going to have to rebrand. And he really thought I was kidding. He thought I was kidding. Well, I went to, I think it was Robert's lecture workshop in Boulder, Colorado that um, Laura's uh, journal posted. And I don't remember how long ago that was, but I remember going and sharing my business cards with that business name and everybody was, oh, you have a spa. No, I don't have a spa. (laughs) And it was the funniest thing. And that's when I knew, okay, people aren't going to take me seriously. Right. They're not going to understand what it is that I'm trying to do because we have so many schools and they all teach different things. You know, there's, there's not this set standard, which is, it's okay. It's not ideal in helping individuals understand all the different nuances into into the different pathways, if you will. And so I said, that's it. I have to rebrand and I have to get my head around what exactly it is that I wanted to do. And don't get me wrong, making things, it's great. It's It's, fine. It's still fun. Sure. It's it's fun to a point, but when you, when you're making things just for a dollar and it's not feeling your soul and I got to a point where it really wasn't doing that for me, right. it was the oils. I told my husband, so that's it. We have to change. And so I slowly started converting the business over to be essential oils. I still maintain a small line of skincare, but it's essential oils. And I rebranded three years ago to be Thai Botanicals. 
And how I got to that name is actually kind of a, a funny story. So, and here's the other roundabout part of it. <laughs> My dad has been an inspirational figure to me my entire life growing up. He is not actually my biological parent. He pretty much showed up when my mom was pregnant and took care of her and took care of me and unofficially adopted me and raised me as one of his. And there's yeah. I have five younger siblings. I remember growing up, he would take us camping every weekend and it was pack it in, pack it out camping. And it was leave the environment better than you found it. If you're going fishing, if my you're kind going of guy. What it, like he was so conscious about things. When we would take eggs, they went in a cardboard container that would break down if it got wet. Not a star phone or any of that. Or he would buy the plastic reusable ones. Right. And he was very, very conscious of these things. He also raised us to be super inclusive of others. We had neighbors that they worked full time and had kids and the kids would all come to our house. And so these neighbors that we had, are like brothers to me. Right. In fact, to this day, like when they have birthdays, hey brother, how is it? I hope you have a great birthday. Like that's how close right. we were growing up. Right. He always, always went out of his way to help someone, even if it was a stranger. I remember going to California one year, we had stopped at a gas station and there was a gentleman that was homeless, very dirty, sitting out, sleeping under this tree at whatever the gas station was that we had stopped at. Dad had gone in to get all of us food and he came back. And he didn't have a meal. And I said, where's your food, Dad? Did you forget it? Did they, you know? And he said, no, I gave it to the guy over there. And he goes, he's also got my flip-flops and my, and my shirt. This is a new shirt if you didn't notice. He literally gave the guy his shirt off his back, yeah. his flip-flops, and his food. Like, that's, that's how I was brought up. You always care for others. You always take care of it. When I was picking out the name, I had a colleague at the time tell me, you really need to go with something that is going to be definitive of your beliefs and what that looks like in terms of your business. That's what I came up with, Behind Botanicals, because I work with botanical-based products. That's that's the name in a nutshell. I love it. And um, <laughs> the level of compassion that your dad has passed on to you, that you're passing on to your clients or customers. Customers, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> your customers, you know... Even in that, like uh, when I received my package from you, you know, the, your packaging is even kind, you know, I just, I love that. No, I do. I love it. You know, it's paper, beautiful. you know, it's recyclable. It's, it's, it's beautiful. I love it. So your, the compassion is, is evident. Right. Okay. There's, there's, there's a few things I'm still trying to tweak, but you know, obviously there's money factors involved. Once I get to where I can change those things, those things are going to change too. But it's, I got to tell you, having a business, like I said, unless it really fires up your soul and just you're passionate about it and you have a deep love for it. It's not going to work. No, no, because a lot of times in this industry, there's really no money in it. There's just not, I know people tend to think that there is, but when, when you do something, you don't necessarily do it for that end result either. Right. If you know what I mean. Yes. And I feel like, I feel like those of us who are on the inside, right. (laughs) Not just selling. I mean, yes, you sell essential oils, but But even as it's coming from from that place of compassion. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you see something that you know, you can fix or you can help. I, I feel like it's so hard for a lot of us in this industry to just step back and be like, no, we have to charge, you know, and we absolutely should be at least charging 
for our time, if not the product that we're making for individuals. And I, and I totally get that, but there's times when I have, I have seen people that they're just so down on their luck and they just, a little inhaler goes a long way towards brightening their day and helping their family. Right. Because, you know, without one person in a family, you don't have a whole family, you know, so making that small difference, even if it costs you $5, sometimes like you got to do it. I mean, you you can't say no. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, you know, yeah, we haven't taken an oath or anything like a medical doctor, but I think in our hearts, we, (laughs) our hearts, we've taken that oath just because of who we are. I mean, we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for a love of, you know, helping people. Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's so much that I know I do on a daily basis that I'm saying like this last week, our kids started their homeschooling or their distance learning online, whatever you want to call it. I've been following you. Yes. (laughs) It's been kind of crazy here because not only am I trying to wrangle two kids doing schoolwork and making sure they've got everything they need for school, whether it's headphones, mouthpieces, whatever that looks like. I've also got deliveries coming and it's like, don't do this. It's it's crazy. Right. But you only do it if you really got the passion for it. Right. So what would you say is the biggest difficulty in your business? Getting the word out that I exist. Okay. And then the second piece of that is helping people understand that there is a huge difference between commercially produced essential oils and artisan essential oils. I mean, there's, there's a massive difference, you know, and then obviously teaching sustainability because people just do not know what they do not know. Right. And we can't fault them for that, you know? Right. Which is what we're trying to do here. Trying to help people understand these things. Like I have a whole video series about, you know, dangers. And one of them is, you know, sustainability people. You can't just cut down forests. It's not going to (laughs) work. I look at things sometimes and I'm like, oh, that's such a pretty plant. Nope. Don't touch that plant. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and especially coming from the background that you've come from with the camping and everything like that. And your dad teaching you the way that he did. Yep. We go into national parks and we don't take rocks home. You know, no, we, we I take pictures. Exactly. Take pictures. That's exactly. what I do. I take a lot of pictures. Now, exactly. if I if I go with the intention of collecting, I always permit. Right. That way, if there's something that's not supposed to be collected, the park rangers tell me, hey, don't touch this or this area has this. You know, it's it's really, really important. And I know um doing the small amount of distilling that I do without those permits, it makes it incredibly difficult for the forest service to really do their job because they don't know who's going in and taking and who's not, you know, right. we actually have a forest that's completely closed down in Arizona because people just don't know what they don't know. And they start fires accidentally because they've left a piece of trash that's, you know, caused a glare, started a fire, or they've taken their dirt bikes or whatever. Like it's, all these little things have shut this forest down. They closed all permits that were open. So they have no active permits in this forest now. And it's, it's really kind of sad because it doesn't just affect the people that live in those areas. It also affects the businesses that were relying on those permits to do their business. Right, right. So it's, it's a huge impact. To well, make no, sure it also that. affects the forest. It also affects the Oh my forest. gosh. Because, because you're forest. not going in, because you're mm-hmm. not collecting, because you're not doing this, that forest is going to yep. get overgrown and then you're going to have fire yeah. hazards and, you know, it just you know, builds and, and then, builds. And then, you know, you, you've got to also consider the animals, the wildlife. They start migrating to different places that they shouldn't be because there's not as much activity. And then when the people go back and they have all these issues and it's like, 
So we're it's, so yeah. so in our next video, we're going to teach leave no trace and <laughs> come on. <laughs> Maybe we need to do that. I don't know. <laughs> right. Oh, leave no trace and leave it better than you found it. Holy yes. moly. Big, yes. big concepts that have major impact. Yes. And uh, we're Boy Scouts. You know, we've raised all of our kids through the Boy Scouts. So those are very, those are, those are hallmarks. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's a forest, a house, a, a sidewalk. It a doesn't, road. doesn't matter. It's all the same. It's funny. I, when my kids are walking down to the mailbox with me on the sidewalk, if somebody's rocks are out on the sidewalk because kids have been playing, she kicks them back into the yard for them. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't ask me. For, she just does it. She's, yep. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So you do a small amount of distilling. The distilling that you do, is that part of the products that you sell? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. It just depends on how much plant material I have because my still that I have right now currently is only a 20 liter. So it's really designed for hydrosol production. But with hydrosol production, you have to be really, really careful. Even if you don't have, or you do have a lot of plant material that you can use for hydrosol production, you are still limited by your GMP. And I, I can't express how important this is. GMP, if somebody doesn't know, is good manufacturing practices. And the FDA actually has some pretty strict guidelines for what that looks like. It is imperative that as a distiller, your GMP is impeccable because if not, you get hydrosol and in six months it's trash. Mm. And while I know you can test immediately, immediately doesn't necessarily tell you what it's going to look like in six months. So a lot of distillers, when they're going through, if they've had ANS training, we try not to sell those hydrosols until they're about six months old. Now, if you've got, you know, a great history, you've been doing it for decades, by all means, you know, your GMP is going to be impeccable. Sell them, right? Because right. at six months, you're going to test it anyway. For me, I don't just test it at six months. I test it at the beginning, especially if I feel like there's something that might be off because you never know. Cleaning a still is some pretty tricky business, especially a copper still. And so I test it right away with a home kit. And then at six months, I'll test it and I'll send it to a third party lab. So I have those results to post on the website. And then you have to test it again, believe it or not. You, you can't just test it once and call it good. Right. You've got to test it again because you want to build up those records so that when you're looking back through your notes of distillation, you know, okay, this is what I distilled. This is what happened to it at this point, this point, and this point. This is the history. This is how this hydrosol works. It's almost like running a GC for a freshly distilled oil and then running it at say six years, say for like a patchouli to see what the difference is. Right. So it, it's kind of a needed thing. I mean, we can assume all we want that a hydrosol is only going to last for a year, but we have seen where there's some hydrosols that can last for almost two years. It's better if they're used within a year, but you know, having that GMP, having that history and knowing for sure that, they're going to last that long. That's important. Right. Right. So, so not to deviate too much from essential oils, but I know as a, um, someone who purchases a still, they're encouraged to name their still and become intimately acquainted with their still. Yes. What's the name of your still? Her name is patience. <laughs> yep. She's got a story. Every time we work together, there is a story, there is a lesson and it's patience is key. You know, kind of, kind of like, um, what is it? The Jiminy Cricket says, "Patience, young grasshopper," or something. Whatever that is, like it's, it's 
it's definitely important when you're distilling. And I think I'm like few years, three years into my distilling journey. And I still feel like the world's biggest novice. Right. And I have, I have a binder that's literally, you know, two to three inches thick with all of my distillation notes and the tests and everything. Somebody who's an enthusiast who just, you know, I like essential oils. I don't really know what they do, but I like them. They smell good. Um, they don't really understand what it takes to take that plant and bring it into a bottle. Can you um, just briefly explain your process? Like how you, how you come to have that bottle available for me to purchase? In terms of understanding where it comes from or how much plant material? A, a little bit of both, just because I'm thinking about novice, you know, enthusiasts okay. who just might not really okay. understand, you know, because we're talking about that sustainability. Yes. And great, you have a bottle of sandalwood, I'll buy it. Oh. You know, but you know what I mean, right? Or you have a bottle of rose, I'll buy it. But, but what does it take for you so, as, as someone who is providing this service for us? What does it take for you to be able to get that bottle ready to go? From distillation to the end product. I've only had a couple plant materials that I've done. And I've not actually sold the oils. What I've done is I've auctioned them off or I've given them as gifts. Mm -hmm. And here's the reason why. With three kilos of plant material, I got a whopping 10 mils of essential oil. Okay. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's not much. How and many like kilos? It's three, three kilos. Three kilos. And that's for what we consider a combination distillation where I'm doing hydro and steam at the same time. Mm -hmm. And hydro is when you've got plant material in the pot of the still and steam is where you've got plant material in the column. So I was had plant material it, as much as it would hold right. with enough water to produce a nice hydrosol or what I consider a quality hydrosol that I would sell as well as a small essential oil amount. So not much at all. Now there are plant materials that will give you more, but it's, it's really not going to be much more yield. It can be very, very unforgiving when you're distilling. Mm -hmm. Does that, Help yeah. with that question. Do you want more information? <laughs> no, that's good. So, but you said you don't, you don't always sell what you distill. So what exactly are you selling to us then? When I distill, if I, if I have a quality hydrosol, so like the Engelman spruce, I've sold my ponderosa pine. I sold because it's from the heart with not the needles, totally different um, aromatic pleasure there, if you will. And then the alligator juniper hydrosols. Those are the ones I sell. In addition to that, I work directly with my distillers. It's a different process getting it from them. They go through the same thing that I do. A lot of them have plantations or farms, if you will, that they grow everything on and they will hand harvest, which can take them anywhere from two days to a week. It's nonstop distilling once they start. I have one distiller who distills lavender and she's got several acres of lavender and different um, varieties of lavender. It will take her about a full month to go through from harvesting to distillation because there's just so much work right. and you have to clean your still in between and each batch is a different batch. They don't get combined or anything like that. So it's, it's a lot. They have to get through that entire process. Right. So 
say if it takes them a month to get through that process, then they've got to go through. It takes them a month to get their orders out because those artists and distillers, they have a limited amount. Their buyers, which would be me, have to make sure that we know exactly how much we're going to get for that season. Because once it's gone, it's gone. There's no more. You just have to wait till the next year. Let's say for like the lemon example, it's good for about a year to two years with how I do the storage. And so I can keep it for two full years and it's not a big deal. But at the same time, if I know I'm not going to use five kilos, I'm not going to get five kilos. I'm just going to get what I know I'm going to use so that when I do get to that point, I don't have stuff that I'm tossing because I can't get the plants back. I can't get that fruit back. It's gone. You said at the very beginning that the large distributors versus artisan distillers, right? Totally different. So what what I hear you saying then is when when you're out of lavender, you're out of lavender until the next growing season. And you're you're not going to like seek out another producer, right? No, I'm I'm pretty picky. (laughs) For me, when I connect with a plant, I'm not just connecting with the plant, I'm connecting with the distiller, the land that the distiller is growing from, and everything about that particular plant. And if I have that information, it's too easy to just be like, I'm going to go find it somewhere else. When you look at the different processes between commercial distilling and artisan distilling, there literally is a lot of blood, heart, passion, and soul in one, nothing in the next. It's like night and day. And so if you're just buying to be buying from somewhere, it's too easy for you to be like, oh, they don't have it. I'm going to go somewhere else. It's too easy to do that. And once you start doing that, I kind of feel like you'd start losing a piece of yourself, you know, that, that magic piece where you've connected with something and it resonates with you on a level that helps you teach it to others. Right. So if you had to pick your top three favorite essential oils, would you be able to do that? It's extremely difficult because it really depends on what I'm going through when I'm going through it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like right now, I'm in one of those really weird emotional states <laughs> just from being so stressed out. So many I, don't know, I don't know what I need half the time. And so I know what I do need is to connect with the earth. So I find that I'm actually smelling the dirt in my garden. <laughs> I, I totally get that. So the dirt is just kind of sitting there. And when I just, I need to go and feel better. I go where my hands are. The dirt is crazy as that sounds, you know, that, that smell that you get from moving the dirt around is just, it's kind of like magic. It's, it's a nice. And I don't, I don't think that's crazy at all. There's so many minerals and everything in the dirt that our bodies need. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's vital. I used to run around barefoot when I was ill. I mean, I still do here, but well, when I'm not working anyway, I will go out in the backyard and I'll run around barefoot, but it's, it's so different. I think if nothing else, the only thing I can say when picking favorites is I gravitate towards what I emotionally respond to the most. That's, that's beautiful. And uh, you're so lucky because you're working with essential oils all the time. Oh yeah. So I, and I don't, I don't have to use them the way others do. So, and that's a huge thing you right? Know? because you're getting the benefit of, of working with them. <laughs> and I've seen some of your videos. So y'all, when she's, when she's bottling, She's completely done up in PPE. She's got her personal protective gear on. She's wearing gloves. She's got a mask. Her hair is pulled back. She's wearing a lab coat. I'm I, telling I was, you. I was you, wearing a little this morning. So, <laughs> so 
you know, when you're, when you're purchasing from Lola, you're getting, you're getting good stuff because she's really putting a lot of love into every single little bottle. What are you working on right now in your business that's got you really excited? What's got me excited? There's a million different things that have me excited. I, I actually, um, I'm working with a school right now to give them kits for their students. Mm-hmm. The way it's designed is the kits, they don't have to buy the kits. If they have a few oils and they just need a few others and they don't think they're going to use an entire bottle, they can totally buy just little sample sizes, which are two mils on the website now, and they get a discount code. Because I know when I started with the school, they were like, you have to have this. And the kit was like three or $400. And I didn't use all the oils. Right. I was really kind of mad. And it was so frustrating to me. You know, same thing. I took another program from the same school and it was got to buy this kit, you know, another three or $400. And some of the oils I really enjoyed and, and I tried to use them. But again, I ended up giving so many away because I just couldn't use them. And so with these kits, they're really small kits. If the students don't want the kit, they get a discount to get just what they need. That's nice. And I do remember when you when you posted on social media, if you had to get a sample, which one of these bottles would you prefer? I was like, yeah. I want the two mil bottle. I don't want yeah. the same thing. I want the two mil bottle. <laughs> so, and then I saw just this week, didn't you just get those in? Yep, they yeah. finally came in. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. That's exciting. So my next question is, how can people find you? They can find me on just about any social media platform, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. And I think LinkedIn, although I'm not very active there. And it's Behind Botanicals. Um, Line, if they're wanting to see what I have available, it's bkbotanicals.com. Because I'll link everything below. You guys have to follow our social media because it's so much fun. So <laughs> so hopefully you'll get a bunch I, of fun. I try to keep it as light as possible because there's just too much crazy in the world, you know? And if we can't put something that's inspiring out there, I mean, what's the point, exactly. you know? Exactly. And when you're in business for yourself, everything has to be worth it or it's not worth it. It does. It does. I'll, I'll tell you, when I got to a point where I feel like it's just too, I will take a big pause and I will reset and I'll be like, okay, we're going to make this a lot longer. It's going to look a little different for a few days, but I got to get myself back. <laughs> right. right. Well, and you, but you have to, you have to. And that's part, that's part of maintaining, maintaining your sanity. And, yeah. right. And, and Maintaining that vision, because if you, if yeah. you lose that vision, it's just work. It, yeah, no. And nobody wants to just be working to be working. No, no, we really don't. <laughs> after this whole COVID-19 thing and people have been home and they've been reassessing, people are realizing, I don't want to just work anymore. They want to do something that is filling their cup. Yes. Not, not stealing their soul. Right. Yes. Soul killing. That's what my oldest son calls it. It's soul killing. I don't want to do that anymore. So yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Lola. I really appreciate you coming on and chatting about what you do. And I love following your social medias and everything. And like I said, I love the products that I get from you as well. Thank you. So, So hopefully more people will find you and increase your footprint in the business world. If nothing else, sustainability. That's the key. When something's gone, it's gone. And you let your customers know that's out for the season. I love that. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to Aromatic Chat. 
Be sure to look at the show notes for all of the links mentioned in today's Aromatic Chat. This is your host, Melissa, your holistic life coach and registered aromatherapist. You can find me on the web at www.lemonbalmcoaching.com. If you enjoy Aromatic Chat, be sure to leave a review. I will see you in a couple of weeks with our next episode. Until then, peace, love, and aromatics.